Father, as we sang, Lord, we want to magnify you. Your word says, the Lord, I have magnified my word above all my name. And I pray in our hearts and our minds, we will come with that meekness, ready to lift your word up. For in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was, is, forever will be God. And when you come back, oh Lord, the world will know the name which they do not know, that your name is the word of God. The word that can cleanse us. The word that saved us. The word that sanctifies us. The word that heals us, O Lord. Even now, even before we hear a single word, O Father, it has the power to heal. Because your word says, I sent forth my word and healed you of your infirmities. The word that delivers. The word that prospers. I pray, Father, we will receive with meekness that word. Help us, help us not to turn to the left or to the right from the word. Because ultimately, we can come through the word and with the word. Then on that day when we stand before you, there will be nothing to judge. Because we allow the word to judge us when we were living in this body. Because you said on that day, the word you heard will judge you. Help us, Lord. Prepare our hearts, our minds for the word and later for your table. Commit ourselves here, all your people listening online now and in the days to come. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Last Sunday you heard about the new creation. The week before that, you had heard about the divine exchange. Okay. Whenever you hear the word, Sirisha, whenever you hear the word, now I know your names, so you are in trouble. They all kind of look alike, so I have to, finally I have to identify from their moans when they look identical. Okay, so now I know your names. You have to believe, when you, not what I say, what I say, you should test it with the word of God, and if it's proved true, you have to believe. Okay, remember, Thessalonians were noble. They received the word of God with great joy in the midst of great affliction. Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians. Why? Because they eagerly, joyfully received what Paul preached. Then went home and checked with scriptures if it was true. Just because I say, no. You have to test what I say. That's your job. If any pastor says, you cannot test my word, then don't listen to him. Because the word of God says you need to test everything you hear, especially from behind the pulpit, more than what you hear outside. Why? Deception happens within the church. Blindness happens outside. Because you are responsible for your soul. I am responsible in a different way for your souls. So the Bible says we who teach will be judged very severely. Very severely for what we preached. I wish all the preachers in the world took heed to James chapter 3 verse 1. They would be careful about their study and about their preaching. 
because people are saved or lost by what they hear. What they hear. So there was a divine exchange that took place on the cross. You have to believe. Jesus was punished so that I might be forgiven. Don't put we, okay? When you say we, it loses its effect. You always have to personalize it. I. That's how you read your Bible. First time, second time, put I there. I. He was wounded so that I might be healed. He was made sin so that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He became cursed so that I could become the blessing. Blessing is the Holy Spirit. You are saved. You have the Spirit. If the Spirit of God is in you, it does not matter. You are a blessing. Only thing you don't know, you are a blessing. Sometimes you are the only believer in the company. Your company is not shut down because you are there. And they don't know. An entire ship of passengers won't perish in the Mediterranean Ocean because one man with the Spirit of God is there. Therefore, they don't know. Their lives have been preserved because of him. You are a blessing. You are a blessing. How did we become a blessing? He was cursed so that we would receive the blessing. That is the Spirit of God in us. He tasted death on my behalf so that I might receive eternal life. He became poor so that we could have his abundance. He said, I said, I don't want to use the word riches because my spiritual mentor refuses to use that word. <laughs> Why? He says it's been misused. Abundance means you always have more than enough to give. And you all have something in you to give. The thing is that you're not realizing it. You're looking at somebody else and wishing I could become like that. No, God doesn't want identical twins. He's not in the business of cloning. He's in the business of new birth. Everybody has something which is from God, which is not of yourself. But you are the vessel. And God, allow God to bend you so he can pour it out. That is humility. Bending yourself before God. The most humble man after Christ was Paul. So he says, my entire life has been poured out as a drink offering before God. So you are a blessing. You are a blessing. He became poor so that we could have an abundance. He was rejected so that I could be accepted in him unto God. He endured shame so that I would receive his virtue and his glory. Keep that in your mind. Maybe we can print one of those, what you call that, bookmarks, you know, with all that, 18, and give it to you to keep it in your book so that you look at it. You have to keep saying it, okay? We'll come to that. So there was a divine exchange on the cross. Everything you receive by faith. You have to believe. You receive it by faith. But all that has no meaning unless you hear it. That is why this honors on preaching. How will they believe unless they have heard? So blessed is the feet of those who goes out and preaches the gospel. 
The gospel is not, Jesus died for you, believe in him and be saved. That word, salvation. You, I mean, I don't know Greek, so I refer to people who know Greek. You look at that word, salvation, in the Bible, it is mind-boggling. You take anything in your life where there is a need, the word salvation applies in Greek. Complete salvation in Christ. That's why the Bible says we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Every. That is Paul. Peter says God has given us everything for life and godliness in Christ. Through the knowledge of him. The salvation we are talking about is not incomplete. It is absolutely complete. It's perfect. It's a great salvation. Hebrews 2, 3 will say, great salvation. How will you, how shall we escape if you neglect so great a salvation? You know why we miss out so many things which God has for us? Because we neglect. We don't realize the greatness of this salvation. It's a great salvation. And the pictures are there in the Old Testament. In Psalm 78, verse 19 to 22. Okay? Yes, they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock, so the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide meat for his people? Therefore, the Lord heard this and was furious. So a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel, because they did not believe God and did not trust in his salvation. Why was God upset? Because they did not trust his salvation. They did not believe. That's what I said. Belief comes. It's so important. That when we read the word, we hear the word, we need to believe. We need to believe. And God was upset that they did not trust in his salvation. The new covenant writer of Hebrews says, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And if you see Psalm 78 in there, these are types of what happened to them. It's a type of what happens to us. They were redeemed from slavery in Egypt by the blood of the Lamb. Did they do anything? Nothing. Could they do anything? Nothing. Did they do anything? Nothing. It was entirely the work of God. All they had to do was believe. Take the blood, put it, the destroyer will pass. One night they were free. One night they were free. And that was one night I was saved. 11 in the night. 1983, I was saved. And after that, the work of salvation continued. One night I was saved. Yesterday when John and I were talking, I had forgotten because then his sister, uh, who is in London, she also was part of my Bible study. So we talked. And then she said, Pastor, don't you remember my pastor from Anaculum Kitchen? I said, do I know your pastor? I had forgotten. She said, yeah, pastor. And this is the church. I said, oh, yes. Because the pastor of the church where she used to go, 
two pastors there was Jacob Nainan. And Jacob Nainan's brother is Vergis Nainan, the young man who came to my hostel room at 11 in the night and gave me the gospel. And finally, he was kind of tired with my argument. He said, James, would you kneel down with him and would you ask Jesus to come into your heart? Change my life. And I said, oh, wow, what a connection. Yes, I forgot. She went to the church. Whose pastor was the brother of the young man who brought me to the Lord? Just like that, God saves you. You can't do anything about it. You cannot save yourself. You cannot redeem yourself. You cannot free yourself. There is nothing you can do. You simply believe in the work of God. And you are saved. One day they were out. 450 years of slavery. 20 years of slavery in your case. 18 years of slavery. 30 years of slavery. 40 years of slavery. It does not matter. One instant. That is why the word for healing is the same word for salvation in Greek. How long? 38 years. Do you want to get well? Do you want to be made whole? Salvation. Become your man and walk. In an instant, a man who was a cripple for 30 years got up, walked and went away. That's the power of salvation. You can't do anything about it. God does everything about it. But God says, do you believe? One day they were out of Egypt. Slavery is over. It's history. It's gone. It's finished. It is done. That's what God is talking about. Do you see the pictures? Do you see the pictures? Protection from the destroyer. Meaning, the devil can never destroy your soul again. You're free. He has no power over your soul. He has power over your body through people. But he has no power over your soul unless you give it to him. But the blood has saved you. Now God is on the process of saving your, completely your soul, but he cannot kill your soul anymore because you believed. Their enemies pursued them. The Pharaoh, the wrath of the enemy. He couldn't do anything. God destroyed their enemies. The wilderness journey. Every day, the need was met. Just met every day. And Jesus said, do you believe? Give us this day our daily bread. Let me ask you this question. Anybody here, because of your severe situation, is there anybody who missed one day without eating 11 months and 5 days? No. Honestly, he has met what he promised. What he has promised. He has given us for each day. After that Bible study, it was always biryani. We all used to eat biryani. Okay. And John was, son, this, this is only when you hear this feedback after 15 years, you will realize, okay, this also used to take place. And I was reminded about our pastor's conference. And he told me, pastor, some of those young people came just for the biryani because they were really poor. And I didn't know. And then I realized, some of our pastors come because they are really poor and they come to eat that meal. That's the best meal of the month. That is their Christmas lunch. He has met us a point of need. Every day he met their need. They had food. They had water. I don't think mankind ever drank after the Garden of Eden any water like that. From the rock. 
Desert nights are very cold. Very cold. Temperature can drop drastically in the desert. They had heating. Before we ever discovered heating, they had a pillar of fire. Desert days are very hot. And they had a cloud cover. Their clothes never wore off. The sandals never wore off. There was none ill or feeble. Healing and health was their provision. Do you see salvation pictures over there? Yet, they didn't believe in his great salvation. And God was upset. He would have done so much more for them if only they had believed. Look at verse 40, 41. How often they provoked him in the wilderness, not pleased him with their faith, but provoked him with their unbelief. There are two things we do to God. Either we please him with our faith or we provoke him with our unbelief. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about his children. And grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again they tempted God. What did they do? They limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited here is a God who wants to stretch forth and bless his people. They limited his hands. Why? Because of their unbelief. Don't limit the hands of Jesus. Verse 42. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. That's the main reason. That's the main reason. You forgot the day of your salvation. That's the reason. Remember the first indictment to the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation? You have forgotten your first love. When was that? When you got saved. You have forgotten. You have forgotten that day when you received a pardon. You were on the executioner's chair. Everything has been connected. They were about to pull the plug. And then the letter came. Presidential pardon. Last minute. There are a lot of people who have got the pardon at the last hour. And they had a new life. And we suddenly realized this is true. We were on the way to hell. And we got a pardon. And the joy, the relief. God says, have you forgotten? You are complaining. You don't believe. You're upset. Do you remember? He says, when I saved you on that day, I saved you from the power, all the power of the Pharaoh. And I was taking you to a perfect salvation. Complete salvation. I would have taken it to a land flowing with milk and honey. Given you houses which you didn't build. Wells you did not dig. Everything that you was taking you to that. That's their picture. Our picture is in Christ Jesus. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 12 to 14. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever. One sacrifice for sins forever. Forever. The 
That's not how it happened in the Old Testament. Every year, one sacrifice. Day of atonement. Just temporary reprieve for a year. Then again and again and again. But this man, one sacrifice forever. Whatever he do, he sat down. The priest in the temple never sits down. They are forever busy. Morning till evening. He just sat down. It's over. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. His enemies are made his footstool. Who makes his enemies his footstool? We do through the spirit. Who are the enemies? The flesh, the world, the powers of darkness. All this, we make his footstool. He's waiting. I redeemed you, gave you my spirit. Now reign. Pastor Vijay was talking about reigning. Reigning in righteousness through grace. Make my enemies my footstool. Do you see salvation? Verse 14. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Forever. Perfected. If you are born again, there is no imperfect people here. You are being sanctified. You are being saved. But inside, whatever state, if you make it to heaven, you will be perfect. There will be perfect children, there will be perfect young men, there will be perfect fathers. There will be no imperfect children and imperfect young men and imperfect fathers there. Everybody will be perfect because with one sacrifice he has perfected forever. Ever. No imperfections in heaven. We have to look at what he has done. And that's what the Bible is talking about. If we neglect this perfect salvation, this great salvation. That's why he said it's finished. That's why he sat down. Now, he says, if you come to me, I will stand up, make intercession so that I can save you to the uttermost. That's the only work he does. The work of intercession. That's a new birth. That's a new birth. You have to believe. And First Peter 1.23 says, Having been born again, it is not reforming the old man. It's an absolutely new person. New birth. New creation. Of what? Of Corruptible, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed. The word of God. It's incorruptible seed. Every seed in it has the nature of the tree that will come. That's what I'm talking about. The nature, the DNA of the tree is in the seed. So if you have been born of the word of God, your nature is perfection. Because it's incorruptible seed. You know what your nature is inside? It's incorruptible. It's perfect. It is perfect. Because every tree takes the nature of its seed. And how did he birth us? Through the incorruptible seed. The word of God. Birthed by the word. Birthed by the spirit. And he says that is birthed by the word. Birthed by the spirit. What is its nature? It's perfect. So he saved us. We have been saved. We are being saved. Titus 3, 5. He saved us. Let me bring my 
multi-purpose pointers. Good for whacking. And uh, he saved us. It's an event in the past. He saved us. It's an event in the past. There was a particular day in the, your life when you believed. You repented. You put your trust in Jesus Christ. An event took place. That's your history. That's when your life began in Christ. And then the next verse, Ephesians 2.8. You have been saved through faith. First Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved. You have been saved. You have been saved. You are being saved. All right. All true. We are saved. One time. I'm still being saved. My work of salvation will only end, finish at the moment of my death. Still being saved. If you look at verse 18, what separates those who are being saved and those who are perishing? The message of the cross. How you receive it. Is it foolishness? Or is it wisdom? It's a perfect salvation. Perfect salvation. Okay. The best picture is the picture of salvation in the book of Genesis 6, 7, 8. Noah and the ark. The ark is a type of Christ. Noah and the family are the ones who are being saved. Keep that in your mind. There are eight people who got into the ark. The question is, are they perfect? No. But the ark is perfect. Are they perfect? No. The ark is perfect. If they stay in the ark, they will come through the judgments. Everyone who was outside perished. Not because they were imperfect, but because they refused to enter the ark. Understand perfect salvation? You entered into Christ. And Christ entered into you. In the ark there were three decks. Nobody is stopping anybody from picking your location. You can stay down. Go to the middle deck. You can go up. It's your choice. In the kingdom, there are three kinds of people. Children, youth, fathers. Every child that is saved is a perfect child. Every young man who has grown and become a spiritual young man is a perfect young man. And every father, when he reaches over there, will be a perfect father. But it's your choice. Why are we saved? But why is the child saved? Why is the young man saved? Why is the father saved? Because of the ark. If the father steps out of the ark, he will be destroyed. The child steps out of the ark, he will be destroyed. The young man steps out of the ark, he will also be destroyed. Getting the picture? So choose where you want to go. So the question here is, last time we saw about the exchange. Today we need to realize, okay, there's, there's an exchange. We heard all those wonderful truths and people were tickled pink around the world. So many got baptized in the Holy Spirit. There is received gifts. All kind of things are happening. You know why it happens easy? Because they are not familiar with me. 
You know why you struggle? Because you're familiar with the preacher. Therefore, you connect the preacher and the word as one. We are not one. We are two. I am the preacher. The word is he. Word is he. You have to learn to detach the preacher from the word and listen to the word. It always has its power. Always has its power. Learn always to detach the preacher from the word and listen to the word because the power has the the word has the power to save us. So we heard. Now I need to appropriate what I heard. I understand something happened on the cross and it's powerful. First Corinthians 15 and verse 45. So it is written, the first man Adam became a living being. The last man became a life-giving spirit. A difference between the first man Adam and the last Adam. One was a living being. The other was a life-giving spirit. Do you know what Jesus exactly did with his apostles on the evening of Resurrection Sunday? Each one of them. He breathed his resurrection life into them. And said, receive the spirit. What is the spirit? The spirit that raised him up from the dead. That's the resurrection life. Can never be defeated again. Receive the resurrection life. That's the last Adam. Life-giving spirit. Do you know when he got saved what was breathed into us? Do you know what we received when we got saved? Verse 47. The first man was of earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Do you know who you were before you got saved? The man of dust. Do you know who you are when you got saved? The man from heaven. Man from heaven. I remember the Chinese pastor who escaped from the underground church. Uh, when the secret police came, look, his nickname was Heavenly Man. He took it from uh, 1 Corinthians 40, 15, 47. So when they came in and asked there, is there anybody here who is a Christian? They said, no, there is just a heavenly man. Do you know? That's, that's our identity before God. You know what we are? Either you are an Adam of dust or you are the last Adam, heavenly man, heavenly women, heavenly children. Not earthly, not sensual, heavenly. That's what the Bible says. Indeed, if you are raised with Christ, keep your mind on things that are above. Why? Because you are heavenly. You are not earthly. You are heavenly. Made of dust or heavenly. In verse 49. And we have borne the image of the man of dust. We shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Before we were saved, we bore the image of the man of dust. Now that we are saved, we are being recreated in the image of the man from above, the heavenly man. Whose image do you bear? It's a question God is asking. That's what the Bible says in First Peter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
Everything is based on his resurrection. We were begotten again. Once we were born in the flesh, now we are born again from heaven. You are not earthly men and women sitting here. You see that? That's what you are. You are heavenly men and women sitting here. If you see that, that is what you are. That's what I said you need to believe. John 1, 12 and 13. I write to you. Oh, no, not 1 John. Uh, John 1. Oh, it's okay. As many as who received him, he gave them the authority, power to become sons of God, even them to them that believe on his name. Let me tell you, if you don't have power, you can do nothing. Why do people run after money in this world? Because it has power. God says, I gave you the power to become what? The children of God. Keep changing in the image of the heavenly man. I give you authority. I give you power. You're born again, begotten again with the image of the heavenly man. Now keep on growing. I give you power, give you authority. You are not born again, born by the will of man, but you are born now by the will of God. Without authority, there is no point. If you don't have power, there is no That's why we are born by the Spirit. And the Spirit is the power of God. That's why God says, my answer to all your prayers is, ask and you shall receive who? The Spirit of God. Why? It gives you the power. He gives you the authority to become what? The heavenly man or the heavenly woman. So the question is, now from what happened on the cross exchange, you have to go to the second part as DP teaches. It is identification. From the first man or the last man. First Adam or the last Adam. It's our choice. Who do you identify with? Romans 6 and verse 6. Knowing this, our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. You have to identify. Knowing this, the question is, do we know this? If you don't know something, it's useless. doesn't matter how great it is. In 2014, a particular church in the U.S. lots, lots and lots of money. They filed a police case. The money was never found. Then yesterday, or day before yesterday, a plumber in the toilet, when he was trying to fix a tile, came off, and then he found a hollow place and found the money and the checks there, almost $400,000. Where was it sitting all these years? In such church. Does it make any difference if you don't know about it? Does it make any difference? Do you know this? The Bible says, knowing this, who? Our old man. The first Adam. The old man. What happened to him? He was crucified with him. When did that take place? 2,000 years ago. How can that be true? Let me give you an example. Next year. August 15th. We will be free as a nation for how many years? 75 years. When did India become free? August 15, 1947. 
Let me tell you the truth in this church. Only my mother was alive when India became free. Were you there? Was I there? Was anybody else there? No. So I wasn't there. Therefore, I am not free. I am still under British rule. Is that true? Well, she's the only one who has experienced it. See, the fact British left India in 1947 is a historical fact. It happened before we were all born. But the freedom is still continuous because it's a reality for us. The fact that Jesus died for my sins was 2,000 years ago. But it's a historical fact and it's a spiritual truth because he died for me. Though I was born 2,000 years after he died and rose again. If you don't believe it, then every time you see a white man, Hazur Zahab, Hazur, what do you want me to do? Buddha, he left. He's looking at you and saying, what's wrong with you? He's saying, you are free and I'm free of you. (laughs) Understand reality. We were crucified with him. Verse 7, what does it mean? For he who has died has been freed from sin. Getting the picture? Do you know you died with him 2,000 years ago? If you know, then you are dead to sin. It's a good thing from tomorrow morning and also wake up in the morning and have a funeral service, dust unto dust, ashes unto ashes. I am dead. I am dead. The old man can never be reformed. He's incorrigible. Born of the devil. Born, shaped in sin, in iniquity. The only solution to the old man is execution. And he was executed 2,000 years ago for everyone who believed in Christ Jesus. When Christ died, you died with him. Thing is that only when you believe, it becomes real. Romans 6.11 Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but alive to God. You know, in 19... I don't know the date. Somebody will search in Google and probably send it now. But it does not matter. Any date will do. Now, let me ask all of you sitting over here. When did India become free? August 15th? 47. If it was December 1st, 1947, doesn't it make any difference to us? Those people are so obsessed about dates and as if that makes a difference in their life. Okay. 1945, I don't know when Japan surrendered. Japan, it wasn't that. A destroyer, they surrendered. To General MacArthur, I think. Uh, yeah, MacArthur, they surrendered. World War is over, Japan has surrendered. But there were so many islands in Pacific where Japanese soldiers were there, they, had, they don't know. Japanese have surrendered. And they're still waiting to fight the Americans. They have no clue Japan has surrendered. And they're sitting. So, they're still fighting months, if I'm right, some places for years until the news reached them. Japan has surrendered. Stop fighting and losing your life. 
Christ died and I died with him. Devil surrendered. It's a reality. Our old man died. What did he die to? He died to sin. You can't escape. One of the beautiful illustrations. Let me embellish it in my own ways. There's this man. He's an absolutely rogue. You can add to his qualities with that word rogue. Your own embellishments you can put. Drunkard, alcoholic, drug addict, beats up his wife and children, violent, all that things he does. And he's married with two children. The mother and the children get saved. And he's mad at them. Every time they go to church, have a fantastic time, then come with fear and trembling because of the way he is. One day they come. And he's sitting as usual in the front row. And he's sitting in his chair. The liquor bottle is there. The cigarette is there. Everything is there. They're waiting. Then they look at him. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. Now you know what happened? He's dead. Is he going to smoke? Is he going to drink? See, when he's dead, he's dead to sin. It's not about you. It's about the other man. When he's dead, he's dead to sin. What does the Bible says? Reckon yourself dead. When you are dead, you're dead to sin. Dead men don't sin. Do you know? Heavy police security outside the morgue so people will not come out and steal. Have you ever heard anything like that? One place, usually you don't need security is the morgue. Nobody goes there. Except Shavan in the old days. Hmm? Right, Shavan? Is there? <laughs> yes, Shavan? I'm right. Lisa was ill. She went to the doctor. And Shavan sent me a report. I looked at it. Look at criminal report file. I had to go through it to find out what is wrong with Lisa. Finally realized she had a runny nose. But he's so used to filing crime reports, he sent her diagnosis as a report. <laughs> so I told Lisa, your husband sent me a crime report. I realized you have a runny nose. Do you see? If you're dead, sin has no power over you. First, identification. Every day, I died with Christ. Not Christ died for me. Christ died for me. Thank you, Lord. Now, I died with Christ. That's why I have your own funeral service every morning. Get some flowers. I was big on burial when I was small. Because I had all kinds of pets. I had sparrows, I had minas, I had dogs, I had chickens. I even had once a monkey for a few few months to sit on my shoulder. 
and all these things. And when they died as a little boy, a little unsaved Catholic boy, I was heartbroken. And I always gave them a good funeral. And made his cross and kept it also. So I was big on funerals. So every morning, rise up and do your own funeral. I am dead. Not Christ died for me. I am dead in Christ. If you are dead, sin is dead. See, you can't escape the old man. People try all kinds of things to escape the old man. The old man is tormenting them. They go to the bar. The old man goes with them. They go on a vacation. He goes with them. You cannot run away from the old man. Only one solution. Kill him. Kill him. You can't do anything with the old man. Except kill him. And it happened on the cross 2000 years ago. You can't. You just have to accept the fact that August 15th, 1947, the British left. I am a free man. And it's a truth. It's a historical truth. The fact is, it's died on the cross for you and me. It's a truth. It's a truth. Six four. For you died and your life is hidden. Yeah, Colossians. You died and your life is hidden with Christ and Jesus. Let's have the next one also. This is a faithful thing for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. See, if you don't die, there is no resurrection. Resurrection is only for dead people. The problem is all people who are alive is going to God and says, resurrect me. God says, die first, dear. Jesus said, even in my ministry, I never raised a living person. I raised dead people. Are you getting it? You know what our struggles are? We refuse to die and say resurrection power. God says resurrection power is for dead people. This is a faithful thing. For if we died with him, he, we shall also live with him. Live with him. We don't die. He cannot live. He won't live with us. He cannot live through us. Though we are saved. 6.4 Did I give you? Romans 6.4 Therefore we are buried with him through baptism. Oh, let me tell you. Doesn't matter how much you love that person. What do you do when he or she dies? Keep them in the fridge? Oh, I love let me keep it the fridge. Do you keep it the fridge? <laughs> Every morning and evening go look at them. <laughs> Do you see when people die, when people who you loved so much die, they hurry in getting the buried? How quickly you can bury? Why? You start stinking. The body starts stinking. What do you do with a dead body? You bury them. Are you dead? What do you do with the dead person? You bury them. What's your burial? Your baptism. That's why I say you have to always live in the light of your baptism. I not only died, I was buried. On that day, I was buried. And the person that came out was not the old man. It was a new man. The new man has to learn a lot of stuff. But the old man died and he was buried. That's why I said you're your, your salvation 
has to be really, really authentic. Powerful. Powerful. When you died, when you, when you got saved and you understand this truth, when you died with Christ, it is an inward reality. But your baptism is your outward reality. The person died. Just say in a home, a father, mother, wife, one or two children are there. The father died. Only the family knows. When does everybody know? The burial time. Everybody comes and they know. Yeah, Bakka, he's died. (laughs) They put him in a box. They put R.I.P. over there. Rice, if possible. Not possible. Contradiction. They write rice if possible and they nail the box down. <laughs> Does it happen? No. If you have died, be buried. That's the power of baptism. Like I said, baptism is one of the most powerful institutions in the new covenant. That's what the Bible says. Repent, believe, and be baptized. Be baptized. Baptism is the most, one of the most powerful institutions. Old Testament is different New Testament. New Testament, we have very few ordinances. And one of the ordinances is baptism. Jesus tells in Mark 16, if you believe and you are baptized, you shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from whom? The old man. Was saved from the old man. Kill him. Bury him. Are you getting the problem? Are you not the pro- Are you getting the issue? Our issue is that baptism is the cut-off point in every culture, including our culture. I'm saved. Huh? What? When you say you're going to get baptized, trouble begins. A Muslim can say, I believe in Isa. I'm getting baptized. They will cut your head off. If you're a Hindu in North India or something, I believe in Jesus. Say, I'm getting baptized. They will kill you. Because they understand what baptism means. You have lost the old man. They know. Even if you don't know, they know what baptism means. You know what the Chinese Communist Party says? One Chinese Christian, one less Chinese. They know what happens when you actually truly believing, get baptized. It is the cutoff point. Because not only you died, that was an inward reality. Outward reality of the world, I am buried with Christ. I no longer exist. Burial is over. These are realities. You identify with his death. You identify with his burial. Ephesians 2, 4 and 6, 4 to 6. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Remember, God is rich in mercy. That's why we can go back, go to him. And great in love. Think about a person in this church. I'm not saying anybody. Just think not. You don't have anybody in your mind. I said there's a person in the church who's rich in mercy and great in love. 
or let us put in ideas we understand. Rich in money and great in love. Everybody will go to him and they are in trouble. No. Why? Because he's rich in money, great in love. Not that if he's rich in money and conjures in love, nobody will go to him. God is rich in mercy, great in love. What did he do? Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Raised us up together with Christ and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. Did you see what he did? Show your right hand. Everybody has right hand? Abigail, right hand, honey. Right hand. I know you are a lefty, but right hand. Right hand. Okay. Died with him. Buried with him. Made alive together with him. Raised up with him. Seated with him. Complete salvation. That's complete salvation. You see? Died with him. Buried with him. Made alive with him. Raised up with him. Enthroned. Where does he sit? On a throne. Enthroned with him. Over every power, every ruler, every principality that harasses you. Complete salvation. Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. They shall not harm you. You shall trample upon snakes and scorpions. In a very short while, the God of peace shall crush Satan under your feet. Why? Enthroned with him. Five things of salvation. How you identify with what Christ did for you. You identify with him. I died with him. You have to make it personal every day. I died with him. I was buried with him. I was raised with him. I was... I, I, I missed out one. Made alive with him, the third one. I was raised with him. And I was enthroned with him. Seated, enthroned with him. That is what salvation is. And that is to what God is taking us. God sees it already that way. Why? Because it was a perfect salvation. With one sacrifice he made perfect. All those of being saved, of being sanctified. You have to see it that way. That's why you have to see it the way God sees it. That's where faith comes in. Don't bring your intellect over there. Remember yesterday I gave you from my old diary? Intellect wants a reason. Faith does not want a reason. Faith says, God said, that's enough for me. The problem is our intellect comes into being. The old man's brains comes in. And he has been very well educated in college. And you've been missing church. So the old new man's brains are like like fried eggs. Not whole, scrambled all over. Well, the old man's brain is whole because so much time is spent there. And after you finish education, you're educating the old man through Facebook, YouTube, every tube. So he always wants a reason. Faith doesn't need a reason. God said that's enough for me. Remember the rich man in the book of John? He came and said, Lord, my servant or my son is ill. Jesus said, how long? Go. The son is saved. Healed. What does the Bible say? He took him at his word. He went. He doesn't need a reason. Faith doesn't need a reason. The Lord said, that's enough for me. 
I don't understand. I'm a virgin. How can I bear birth? Gabriel said something she'd never understood till, I think after she was died and raised up, she understood what it was. But she said, let it be unto me according to your word. I don't understand. But you've spoken and that's enough for me. That's faith. So all these things, don't bring your intellect over there. By faith, receive it. Why does all this happen? Because he's rich in mercy. Great in his love. And there is a staggering thought. I'm using exact words of direct prince. Staggering, mind-boggling, staggering thought. For a man who studied in Eton and studied at King's College and was a fellow in Cambridge, if it was staggering for his level of intellect, I don't have words. Because if he is 10, I am 2. At the level of 10, if he is. Staggering, which is true. Actually, look at that. Verse 2, verse 7. 2, 7. I didn't give you Ephesians 2, 7. Look at that thought. But God who is rich, yeah, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. His thought is this way. Until man sinned. God had exemplified all his character qualities, holiness, righteousness, all these things through, through creation and to the creator. Then man fell. In the plan of redemption, he says, for eternity, I will show to the rest of creation the riches of my grace through these people who are being redeemed. We are, the, we are God's boasting about his grace. You want to show the riches of my grace? Look at my people who are being redeemed. When? That in the ages to come. So he's rich in mercy. He's rich in grace. That's why you are saved. Because you cannot earn mercy. You cannot earn grace. It's free. It's free. You have to receive it by faith. Just free. We are the display of his grace in eternity. He didn't show mercy or grace to Satan and the one third of the angels. He didn't show. He only showed it to us. And they can't still figure it out why. Even I can't figure out why. That's why I'm not God. If I God, I would have saved Lucifer. Looking at his beauty, wisdom and said, yeah, this fellow should not be lost. Let us save him. That's a carnal man. Look at a powerful man. Oh, he should be saved. Look at a smart man. He should be saved. Look at a beautiful girl. She should be saved. Not God. He said, let them go to hell. I will save the poor, the wretched, the ignoble, the weak. That's God's wisdom. That's God's wisdom. We have to reorient our mind. Because the devil was perfect in beauty, perfect in, in wisdom. He was strong and he was rich. And he went down as a rebel. Christ is humble, he is meek, he is lowly. He humbled himself all the way to death, death on the cross and God exalted him. Why did God? So when God does his second creation, the new creation, us, his new creation, do you know where he went? He went to the scrap heap. Through the junkyard. Broken men and women. Sinners. He doesn't say one righteous person. Understand this. And he made it very clear. I have not come for the righteous, for the sinners. He goes to the garbage bin and takes it and makes his greatest creation. That is man. Look at 2.10. For we are his 
workmanship. You have heard it twice or thrice or four times, which means poem. The highest form of literature, the greatest creative effort of God is the new man. If the old man, when he created in the first seven days of creation, he said, good, good. And he said, very good about the new man. He says, perfect. How? Because of my son's one sacrifice. This is not good. This is not very good. This is perfect. The greatest act of God came after creation. Where did he go to make the perfect thing? To the junkyard. So if you are a sinner, you have hope. If you think you are good, you are in trouble. So how do we appropriate this? We saw what he did. So keep that in your mind, your right hand, five fingers. And uh, Abigail, if you're lefty, left hand is also okay, okay. Okay. Died, buried, made alive, erased, seated, enthroned. Complete salvation. Our daily reality. That was what Pastor Vijay was talking about. The first two things. You serve and you sacrifice kings and priests. What does God do? He's serving us. If he doesn't have to serve us, he has no work to do. Jesus says, my father and I are at the work from the way. What does the creator do? Till today, he's serving his creation. So what do his sons and daughters do? They serve. They serve. They serve the king. And they sacrifice as priests to the king. Why? Because of his great mercy and great grace. So the simple thing is that, how do you and I appropriate this? How do we receive it? We looked at these five things which he did. Four simple steps. Primary steps. First, you need to repent. That's our problem. First is repentance. You can't bypass repentance and reach the kingdom of God. There was one fellow in the wedding party who made it without the clothes, remember? That is without repentance. Picked him by the scruff of his neck. How did he get in over here? One fellow tried to sneak in there also. You can't sneak in there. The first thing is repentance. We saw that. Second thing is believe. The third thing is confess. The fourth thing is act out what you believe and confess. That's how salvation is worked out. You repent. You believe what God has said. You confess and you act out. Work out. That's what the Bible says. Work out your salvation with fear and trouble. Work it out. You cannot work out what he hasn't worked in. That's where faith comes in. What belief comes in. So repentance, please remember it. In its simplest form, it's changing your mind. You came with one mindset, heard the word of God, you changed your mind. It's as simple as that. And every time you hear the word of God, we repent. Because God is telling us something we need to change. You believe this, it's false. That's the old man. Change. So repentance is constantly changing. The problem is that people don't repent. You will hear about YouTube. You will hear about Facebook. You will hear about all that. And I will say, ah, yeah, it is a bondage and go back straight to it. So you haven't changed. You just received an intellectually an idea. And because you haven't changed, you have no faith. You are not able to believe. Anything you hear, and nobody has to know this between you and God. 
Because it's the benefit of your soul. Benefit of your soul. And that's how it works. And don't mix. Now, sometimes I will walk, old man, sometimes, because it doesn't work that way, son. I know you struggle, but get up in the morning and kill him. Kill him, bury him. And trust me to live the other way. And I will take you. Don't mix. A lot of people try to mix law and grace. It won't work. God will not accept it. Remember that's one of those days, last week I said, Leviticus gives us three rules. One, don't mix uh, wear clothing with two different kinds of yarn. Don't. Why was it told to them? For us, they had no clue. Poor fellows were looking for one single clue. And yarn is so difficult. Clothes are so difficult. And they have to go through for thousands of years without even knowing what it was for. It was for us. <laughs> That's why the Bible says the Old Testament is a shadow. The substance is for us. They were said, in a field, don't sow two kinds of seed. Why did these poor people have to have beans here, cucumbers here? Why? Because God said so. Why did he say so? We don't know. Just for us. Don't mate two kinds of different kinds of animals. So don't do it. Why? Because he's saying, law came through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Don't mix law and grace. If you mate a horse with a donkey, you get a mule. I told you, 63 and 62 and 64. The problem with the chromosome count of the mule is 63. It cannot reproduce. Everybody who mixes law and grace spiritually will become sterile. They will produce nothing in eternity. Your works when it goes through fire will be burned up because you cannot mix law and grace. There are works of law, there are works of grace. And when it comes to grace, it has to be entirely the works of grace and grace alone. So we have to constantly repent. Oh Lord, sorry, I did that. It was law. It was law. Help me to work under grace. I received that teaching. I realized, oh Lord, that was a teaching of the law. But there is another teaching, the teaching of grace. Grace of God has appeared to all men and teachers. That teaching is different. The other teaching of law is always outward. Always outward. And if you only receive a teaching outward, do you know what you become? A hypocrite. But grace will not make you a hypocrite. Grace makes you an authentic person. Inside and out. Outside. That's what grace does. That's what God is talking about. So you have to repent. You have to believe. You have to repent. You have to believe. It's lifelong. We will be doing it. But it's very exciting. Because your mind is being renewed. You are not conforming to the pattern of the world you came from. But your mind is being renewed. Little by little. Sometimes in big leaps, you receive and you change completely, drastically something you were struggling with for years and years, you hear from God and duck, you put it away and it's gone you're repenting, you're changing and your life is changing and comes the third one, Romans 8 10, 8 onwards, did I give you 8, I need from 8, 9 Okay. what does it say, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart that is that, the word of faith which is preached you, if you look here it, in the first two, I, I think I said it yesterday too, first two mouth is put first and heart is put second, the third time the heart is put first and the mouth is put second, okay but the, what does it say, the word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart that is the word of faith which we preach, can I have 9 and 10 
that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ or Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, mouth is first, heart is second. But for here, heart is food first, heart. It's always the same. They go together. Do you know what you speak? That's what you believe. Do you know why you talk about songs and movies all the time? That's what you believe. That's what you believe. See, the mouth cannot speak something which is not in the heart. It is not making oxygen out of air. No, it's bringing it from inside. It doesn't do stuff like that. Our problem is, if we understood this, the mouth speaks what is in the heart. What is in the heart. So God says, your confession matters. Repent, believe, and confess. What is? What are you confessing when you repent and believe? You are believing and saying, I am confessing what you have said in your word. You said so, therefore. If any man says he is without sin, he makes God a liar. I am a sinner. But did you say that? Because God said. My children, I write to you that you do not sin. But if you sin, you have an advocate. Lord, I come to you. Why are you saying all these things? Because it is written. And that's what you believe. And that's what, that's what you do. We're starting with basics. That's what you do. And the blood of Jesus cleanses if you confess. The blood of Jesus cleanses if all unrighteousness. I don't feel clean. You don't have to. It is written. I believe. I believe. Why do you believe? Because it is written. And the more you say it, the more you believe. The more you believe. Like I keep saying, what are the things which you haven't forgotten from your childhood? Nursery rhymes? Tables. I can't say about that. Table, uh, nursery rhymes. But tables are true. But when you repeated them, you did not know. Later when they were, you were sent to shop, you realized it is true. First you confessed. You didn't believe in your heart, but you confessed. That one day when the change was wrong, you believed. See, let me tell you the truth about confession. Most of the mainline churches we talk about, Anglican Church, CSI, Jacobite, Catholic, Marthama, most of their confessions are right. But they don't believe. When you were in the Catholic Church, what do you say? God have mercy. Christ have mercy. God have mercy. Is it wrong? Absolutely scripturally on the dot your confession. But when you go out, did you believe? Did you change? Did you become a new person? No, you never did. Why? Because your confession was right. Your belief was wrong. You never believed. So you can have the absolutely right confession and never believe. But you can have the right belief and do not know the importance of confession. You can have the right belief and do not understand the importance of confession. I'll show you why it is so important to confess. Hebrews 3 and verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle. What is the who's an apostle? Apostle is the one who is sent out by God. So Christ is the first apostle. Sent by Father with a message. Repent and be saved. He's the apostle. And high priest of what? Of our confession. What we don't confess. As a high priest, he can't intercede. 
He's a high priest of our confession. What most of our confessions, he will keep quiet because it doesn't agree with his word. Most of our confessions are from the world, from the flesh. It is negative. It has no meaning in, in the kingdom of God. So you know what? We silence his mouth in the presence of his father with our confession. Because we did we repent? Yes. Did we believe? Yes. Did we confess? No. We didn't confess. You see, this is the way to complete salvation. There are stages. First is repentance. Second is belief. And third is confession. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. What does it mean? Keep confessing. Keep confessing what the word of God says. Keep. Hold fast. Keep confessing. What the word of God says. That is what it means to hold fast. Hold fast what? Your confession. Don't change your confession when trouble comes. Don't change your confession when trials come. Don't change your confession when testing comes. Hold fast to your confession. Why? Because you have repented. You have believed. Stick to your confession. Don't change your confession. Hold fast. Don't change your confession. Let's go to Hebrews 10, 21, 23. Having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Because out of the heart comes issues of life. In your heart, what you should have? Full assurance of faith. Absolute assurance that God is who he says he is. What is that? Rich in mercy, rich in grace, great in love is exactly what he says. Jonah knew that. He said, I knew that. That's why I didn't want to go to Nineveh. I know who you are. His confession was right. His belief was right. But he was mad because Nineveh got saved. When everybody turned against him and he had no hope, David, Ziglag gone, family gone, so soldiers all picking up stones, he encouraged himself in the Lord because he says, you know what? I know who you are. Rich in mercy, rich in grace. And he encouraged himself in the Lord. And he said, let's hear from God. Hear from God. You need to understand it matters. Verse 22. Let us draw near. Yeah, let us, yeah. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure heart. That's the work of the word. Word comes, you're convicted, you repent and you believe. You have to believe in your cleansing too. You don't have to feel, you don't have to feel you are clean. The word of God says you're clean, you're clean. That's the thing. And then verse 23. Let us hold fast again the confession of our hope without wavering. Hold fast. The confession of our hope. Now faith has become hope. I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. What is that faith? If you keep on confessing, your faith becomes hope. What is that? I will receive glory. I will receive glory. That becomes the hope of your glory. Because you are saved. Because you believed in your salvation. Now what you have is a hope of glory. Now faith has become hope. 
Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. Substance of things hoped for. Okay. Remember the prosperity preachers have a lot of things which are right. Only thing they take it and put it on the flesh. That's the problem. You need to how to how you need to how to dissect it very carefully. Otherwise, you will take the truths of God and run into the world. What did the word, word of God says? Hold fast. And second, without wavering. What does hold fast says? Suddenly, cling! Put on your seat belts. What does it mean? Expect turbulence. Hold fast. Expect turbulence. Your faith is going to be tested. Your faith is going to be tested. Trials are going to come. Tests are going to come. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Hold fast your confession. When things change, don't change your confession. Hold fast because turbulence is promised. Why? Because your faith being more precious than gold has to be tested so that you know it's true. God knows whether it's true or not, but you don't know. I don't know. So God says expect turbulence. So hold fast. Hold fast. And second, without, what does it mean? Expect opposition. Expect opposition. Turbulence is one thing. Opposition is one thing. Suddenly enemies rise from your household against what you believe. Among your friends, among your colleagues, suddenly opposition, the enemies tries to pour cold water over your faith. That's what happened to David. All the 600 soldiers who were with him, mighty men, picked stones. Where is opposition coming from? This time it is not from the Philistines. This time it is not from the Amalekites. This time it's from the Israelites. What did he do? Without wavering, he encouraged himself in the Lord and said, Abiathar, bring the effort. What does the Lord say? Expect opposition. Hold fast. Because turbulence is promised. Without wavering, you will face opposition. And like we say, if you are the last man standing, keep standing. You look back. Everybody has fallen away from faith. You know what? I will not fall away from faith because I am not standing because they stood with me. I am standing because I know he is true. That's how we have a book of Revelation. Because one man stood alone in the island of Patmos. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. Who is with you? Nobody. That's what one man saved an entire ship full of people. One man. He said, the Lord whom I serve. The Lord whom I serve. Send an angel and said to me, for your sake I have given all your life. So brethren, don't fear. He knows. So what does he do? He breaks bread and he starts eating. And they all were encouraged and ate. You know what? In the midst of natural opposition, human opposition, because they were planning to kill the slaves and the prisoners. He said, don't do it. There's no need to do it. Nobody will die. Unwavering. Unwavering. God needs people in the last days who will stand there steadfast and unwavering in their confession. That the good work that he has begun in me, he is faithful to complete it. I am not dependent upon my works. I am dependent upon his mercy and his grace to complete what he has begun. I will finish my race. They have to finish alone. I will finish alone. But I will finish. 
You have to believe. And your confession matters. That's the confession of Job. You know what? Even if he slays me, yet I will serve him. Confession of a man. Confession matters. When trial comes, when testing comes, do not change your confession because your faith will be tested. Nobody will go buy gold without testing it. God says your faith is more precious than gold. Because on the day of the revelation of Christ, your faith should bring glory to Christ. That's only authentic faith. How do you know your faith is authentic? Through turbulence, through testing, through opposition. You know what you believe and whom you believe is true. It's not an airy-fairy faith. This is real. The solid rock on which I stand. Think these things. Think these things. Because the enemy will bring every pressure. Unbelieving family, if it's an unbelieving family, yes. Nominal Christian family, yes. Educational system. Think two of us sitting over here. Can you go through it? The best institution in this country and come out untouched by their teaching? Come out stronger in your faith than the way you went in? Can you? You know what happens to these hybrid universities? They destroy your faith. We didn't allow our faith to be destroyed by the mercy and grace of God. We came out stronger. You know why we came out stronger? There's one thing we did in those days. We clung to our Bibles. Like Eliezer's hand clung, cleaved to his sword. We clung to our Bible. We refused to budge from the word of God. Refused. You can say whatever you want. You may have all these letters and degrees behind your name. But we know in whom we have believed. And he's faithful to keep what we have trusted into his hands. Unwavering. Steadfast. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. You know what? When you have a tree and it is ripe season, you go shake that tree. Everything will fall up except a few. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken and people will fall away from the faith following doctrines of the demons left and right. But there will be still something left in the tree of life because they refuse to quit. That's why they're shaking. You cannot escape these things because they are prophesied and scripture cannot be broken. Cannot be broken. So what do you do? Jude says, brethren, Build yourself in your most holy faith and in the spirit of God. Build yourself. Stand steadfast, unwavering. Put your nose in the word of God and not anything else. Yes, we will fall. Old man hasn't died. Though we thought he was dead, he didn't die. But when you fall, rise up. Go. When you feel, you go out on a sweaty, humid day, you come back feeling Dirty, what do you do? Take a shower, you feel clean. When you feel dirty because you have fallen, what do you do? You allow the word of God to cleanse you. That's what we do, that's what I do. I listen and I listen and I listen and I listen because I believe Jesus said to his disciples, you are clean because of the word. And I believe the word of God has the power to cleanse a fallen man and a fallen woman. It has its power to cleanse me. 
Baptism is one time. But on the last day, Jesus wrapped a towel around this thing and he was washing the feet of his disciples. And Peter said, no. Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you will have no part in me. Why? Then he said, bathe me. He says, no need. You already were baptized. Only your feet. Because that is the part of your body that touches the world. It's a spiritual lesson. The part of my mind that goes into the world, receives the ideas of the world, has to be cleansed constantly by the word of God. It has power. It has power. So try to catch us. I see him because now he's in Jesus on the camera. This man falls asleep on the word. He's there all the time. I can see him swinging. I knew it's his Telugu Bible. If he's swinging, it's Telugu. If he's straight, it's English. Because our languages have a way we want to swing. Oriental languages. There is a swing in it. What do we do? Let me ask you this question. We as your pastors believe we need so much cleansing. How much do you who are in the world require? We don't go out into the world. We don't go anywhere. I don't know what a shopping mall looks like. I've forgotten. My supermarket once I go once in three months is around 10 minutes because I know exactly what I want. I know exactly where it is because I go to the same supermarket every time unless it is closed. The last place I will waste time is in a shop. What do you do? How do you want to be cleansed? The word of God. So you repent. You believe and you confess. You confess what God says about you. If God says you are a sinner, I am a sinner. God says confess. You confess. He says the blood of Jesus cleanses you. You believe the blood of Jesus cleanses you. If you sin, you have an advocate. You believe Christ is speaking for you, not against you. You believe and you confess. That's where faith comes from. From hearing and hearing from the word of God. Word of God. And you know what? In a flight where there is such terrible turbulence, you are stable. You are stable. Like my trip from Kathmandu. All flights were being diverted and I landed up. Where did I land up? In Dehradun. I was going to Calcutta. Landed up in Dehradun. Because there was a storm. The plane was going like this. And the lady next to me was howling. Crying, are you home? I will never see my husband. My baby is elder at. Don't worry, I am there. Not Hindi movie Mehuna, but faith. <laughs> you are not going to die. This plane is going to crash. How can you say? I am there. <laughs> I know my purpose is not done. I know my race is not finished. I know God has to do a work in me and through me it's not over. No plane is going to take me down. You need to believe. That's what Paul says. You're not going to die. You may have no purpose in your life. But I am a man of purpose. Called, set apart by God. I know where I am going. I will not die. Why? How do you know Paul? Because the Lord told me. You shall stand before Caesar. And I haven't reached Caesar yet. 
and raised Caesar yet. Peter to be released, taken out next day and his head cut off fast asleep. Man, dude, how can you sleep like this? I am not going to die. How do you know? Because the Lord told me, you will die in your old age. I am still young. Scripture cannot be broken. Didn't he tell him, you, now you are young, when you are old, you are walking in your own strength. Another day will come when you will be led by others. That day you are old. You know man, I will not die young because the Lord told me before he ascended. I am not going to die in any prison or my time hasn't come up yet. Confidence of the word of God. God who speaks to his people. When all these things happen, unshakable, immovable, steadfast in faith. Now let's go to communion. Steadfast in faith. If you come to this table, you have to believe. If you confess, if you're right with God, right with man, God says, if you eat, what will you receive? If you eat wrongly, you receive weakness, you receive sickness, you receive sleep or death. So if you take partake of it in the right way, you receive strength, receive healing, you spiritual refreshing, awakening. You have to believe. And getting right with God is very easy. It's more difficult to get right with man. That's why he's as far as possible. With God, he doesn't say that because he's rich in mercy. He's rich in grace. People are poor in mercy and poor in grace. That's why you struggle with them. You meet a merciful man or a woman or a grace, you'll come back and say, hey, yaar, I never expected them to react that way. They're so kind because you're shocked by their mercy and grace. So to put your life right with God is very, very easy. Very easy. You just have to go to God and say, Lord, you know what, Lord, forgive me. I'm, I'm really sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. I believe. I confess. Walk away free. Partake of this. And you need to believe. According to the word, I am partaking. This elements of his death will bring strength, healing, and awakening in my spirit. That is partaking by faith. That becomes your confession. Come. Pastor Vijay, come. Worship team. It's there. Shall we pray? Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. All we can do is come to you. For you are rich in mercy. You are rich in grace. And you are bound in love and kindness. That's why we can come to you. By faith, the child comes to his father. We all have sinned. There's nobody here who has not sinned. We have done things we should not have done. We have not done things which we should have done. We are guilty of both. And all we can ask is ask for mercy. Mercy, Lord, mercy. Have mercy on us. We don't want to stop there. We ask for grace. Another week is beginning. The last month is beginning. And we pray, Lord, your grace will enable us not to fall in those areas we keep falling. We can't do it on our own. So we are asking for grace. So today, Father, by faith, as we partake of the emblems of your body and your blood, 
that hung on the cross for our sake, the blood that was shed for the remission of our sins. I pray, Father, divine healing and strength and restoration will flow into the lives of your children because we are the body of Christ. Let it flow from the head into the body for you said, I have come to give you life. Life in abundance. We receive it by faith, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Yes. He came to live, live again in us. He came to be the living word of life. He came to die, so we'll be reconciled. He came to rise, to show His power and might. That's why we praise Him. That's why we sing. That's why we offer Him our everything. That's why we bow down and worship this King. Because He gave His everything. Because He gave His everything. He came to live, to live again. He came to be our concrete king and friend. He came to heal and show the lost one his love. He came to go, go prepare a place for us. That's why we praise him and that's why we sing. That's why we offer him our Shall we partake the emblem of his body that hung on the cross for us? For the so please remember, if your right hand is free, can we once again have he? I was buried with him. Sorry, I died with him. I buried with him. Made alive in him. 
raised together with him and enthroned or seated with him that's the identification and then you repent you believe daily repent is the most beautiful word in the bible made the most bad word it is sin the most beautiful word because we are always changing our mind told you we are all changing our mind that's why i don't see anybody in saris why because changed our mind so is it a change mind about things of the world god says same thing change your mind except my mother of course no. change your mind about the word when you hear about the word and it doesn't agree with what you have heard change your mind and then believe what god has said but every time you repent there is mercy because of christ and then third thing is your confession make your confession right confess what god says about you keep saying keep saying keep saying it keep saying it and you will suddenly realize you know what you believe what god says don't look at the mirror and say i don't like myself fearfully and wonderfully made true yeah when you get angry even i get afraid fearfully made but wonderfully made now, look, most people when they look in the mirror they don't like themselves change your confession god said i am good i'm good i'm good i'll go with god's report that's what he says about me yes i'm okay you didn't make me tall enough no i'm the right height right height he didn't make me one inch short or one inch tall absolutely right why because everything he does is perfect there's no imperfect work in the kingdom of god you need to be satisfied and confess what god says and all those who are not married you are not late your right time hasn't come yet because there is something about it he makes all things beautiful in his time if you get married before your time you're ugly there's something called ugly time and beautiful time this is where you have to say no don't let pressure oh you're getting older no i'm not getting older i'm just waiting for my right time the time for everything god doesn't go wrong with his children we make mistakes he never makes a mistake so trust him believe him confess and the fourth thing what he said is work out what you believe first work and i will go from there to prayer mark 16 16 this is your first work levi you still have 5 minutes okay levi i need you thank you he who believes and is baptized that is your first work as a believer you know what is the first work as a believer is your baptism you have really really believed you have believed gone in what you did and what god did you have repented turned to god with all your heart you say i want to get baptized get baptized can i have the next two scriptures quickly oh no no not that one not that one not that one acts 8:36 I didn't give it to you. Yeah. Now as they went down the road they came to some water and the eunuch said, "See here is water. What hinders from me being baptized?" You know how intense his conviction was. He realized, "This is who I am. This is what is. I change and I believe. He says baptize me." I want to be identified with his death, his burial and his resurrection. Baptize me. And the next one, 16 
Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things which spoken by Paul. And verse 15. And when she and the household were baptized. They didn't wait. The conviction was so strong. And the next one, the same chapter. This is a jailer who had beaten them up. Not beaten, put them in the prison. He brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, to all who were in his house. And he took the same hour of the night, was washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were. So the first work. First work is that you obey God in the waters of baptism. Because you have repented, you have believed, and the work of God begins. What's your first work? You get baptized. And after that, the Bible says in Romans 8, 14, As many as are led by the Spirit of God shall be the sons of God. What does it mean? God doesn't have a single plan for everybody. He has different plans. We have five children. All five are doing five different things. Five different professions. Five different streams of education. We didn't make them into clones and say, you will all do this. No, five different. The earthly father has five different plans for five different children. So has the heavenly father. So God has in our general will is the same. But you all need to specifically, personally hear from God like Saul. What do you want me to do? What did God say? Till we told you. The little children who are studying here are asked, Lord, what do you want me to do? He will say, it will be told. You finish your studies. It will be told. Study well. Equip yourself. It will be told. I will tell you what you want me to do. That's how it works. Then, when that happens, all those are the works of faith. These are not works of sight. Those are works of faith. So you repent, you believe, you confess, you do what God wants you to do. Ephesians 2.10 says, The works He had prepared for me, even before the foundation of the world. Those are the works. Let's stand. We just thank God. Imagine, at the end of the day, remember, all of eternity, the ages to come, we are God's poetry. We are where God's riches of His grace will be exemplified. The cherubims and seraphims will be still scratching their angelic hair looking at my God. Look at the grace God shows these people. See, they won't change. But even in eternity, I think we'll be changing in glory and glory as we get to know God better and better and better and better. We will be changing from glory to glory and God. They will look and say, wow. Wow. Look at God's mercy. Look at God's grace. And the angels know history. They said, you know, he picked them from the dustbin. These, they all came from the garbage bag. Look at what he has God done with us. Sinners. Shall we thank God? Father, we just thank you. We just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. How can we not but thank you, Father? Because this only you could have done. Only a God full of grace, full of mercy could have ever thought a salvation like this. It's a great salvation. It's a perfect salvation. We cannot add anything to it and we should not subtract anything from it, Lord. I pray, Father, starting today, help all of us to identify ourselves fully with the work of Christ. Starting not tomorrow, but today, now.
we will know we died with Christ. We were buried with Christ. We were made alive together with Christ. We were raised up together with Christ. And we will know that we are seated enthroned with Christ. And we will walk in that reality. So it does not matter where we are. In a city or in lying in a prison like Paul. He knows he's with Christ. But he says, the Lord is near. And he acts and lives like a king. Because that's what we are. That's what we are. Seated, enthroned with him. The hand of God rests upon everyone. Lord. Take us through this week, through this month. All those who miss God's work. The 11 months. I pray Lord, you are able. To complete it. You are able to complete it. You are more than able. To complete it Lord. There will be no incomplete work, Lord, in your house. Complete the work you began this year in us, Lord. That you may have the glory, the honor, and power, praise. Everything would belong to you. That even we ourselves will look back and we will say, this is what the Lord has done. Truly able to sing from our heart. Look what the Lord has done. Thank you, thank you, Father. Bless your people in your name. Protect them, preserve them, empower us, Lord, and be with us through our journey through life through this month lord for in jesus name i pray amen Amen. the grace of our lord jesus christ love of the father and the fellowship of the holy spirit rest and abide with each one of us amen 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 good fellowship with one another